0: Welcome back to the dear Show. A number of my letters said, all right, enough on Israel. Talk about Trump. So um, not for that reason, but because there isn't a lot of news on uh, Israel today, and there is some news both on, on Trump and on Hunter Biden. Um, I am changing topics, and I'm, I'm sure the letters, I know the letters, talk a lot about Israel, and I'll answer those. But uh, let's start out by talking about The American public, Uh, the American public has the right to see Hunter Biden testify and to hear everything he says and to see the members of the House Judiciary Committee uh, question him. It's not only his right. It's our right to see him. Uh, And we also have the right to uh, see President Trump's trials. Um, And there shouldn't be any uh, uh, sealing of the trials. And, and finally, there should be no gag order on Trump at all. Um, Trump has the right to say whatever he wants to say. If he intimidates a witness, that's a separate crime. He can be indicted. Uh, but he's entitled to say the judge is a bum, the judge's clerk is a bum, and uh, everybody on the staff is a bum. Uh, that's part of his free speech rights. And uh, I don't believe him, but he's entitled to say it, and we're entitled to evaluate him. Based on that, what he's not entitled to do is intimidate witnesses or jurors. There are no jurors. Um, The New York case um, involving real estate is only a judge who's already made up his mind. And he's primarily the one who uh, Trump attacked. I've attacked him, too. He deserves to be attacked. Um, He made some outrageous, ridiculous rulings. And uh, he has his clerk sitting right next to him, you know, like, 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 um, um, a puppeteer and a puppet. Um, who's calling the shots? Um, we, the American public, have a right to see that. We have a right to evaluate it. And what I'm concerned about is that commentators, including academics, do not understand the First Amendment. Everybody knows the First Amendment protects the right of free speech. Congress shall make no law abridging the right of free speech um, or the right to, you know, gather and etc., etc. But the Supreme Court is held. And of course, it's only logical that not only does the speaker have a right of free speech, but we have the right of free listening. We have the right to hear what people have to say. And when a speaker's free speech is curtailed, our right to hear what he has to say is curtailed. And, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? And if it, if a speaker speaks without anybody listening, what's that great Beatles song about the minister, uh, Eleanor Rigby, uh, the minister who writes the sermon that nobody will ever hear? Um, uh, that doesn't promote the marketplace of ideas. The marketplace of ideas is promoted when somebody speaks and somebody listens. And the president, uh, former president, has a right to say what he wants to say. And it can be obnoxious, it could be disrespectful, it could be dangerous, Um, but the First Amendment protects it all. And um, as Thomas Jefferson says, you know, First Amendment allows falsehood to be corrected only by by truth, not by by censorship. And, um, but he also said, if it crosses the line to criminality, then you can punish the first sign of any criminality. And if if Trump were to intimidate a witness, um, he could be prosecuted for that. But we tend to forget that a criminal defendant, certainly a civil defendant in the real estate uh, evaluation case, but a criminal defendant is presumed innocent. Uh, Anybody can be indicted. Uh, Ham sandwiches can get indicted. And certainly anybody can be sued. All you have to do is file a complaint. And and the fact that you've been indicted or had a complaint filed against you should not change your legal status at all. Obviously, if you're very dangerous, um, maybe you can be detained. I have real questions about that sometimes. It's used um, um, very selectively, sometimes too little, sometimes too much. If you're going to escape, run away. And Trump's not escaping or running away. uh, The biggest escape he he makes is to Um, Mar-a-Lago. But absent that, uh, absent danger of flight, the status of an indicted defendant shouldn't be any different from anybody else. And as I said, there are criminal statutes that protect the process. And those criminal statutes ought to be used. But judges should have no power to impose a gag order. And uh, certainly not the gag orders as broad as the ones in this case, I love the judge saying, well, you can say anything you want about me, but not my staff. Why not? They work for the government. You're allowed to criticize staff. Let me do that right now. Um, Many staff members uh, of of Democratic congressmen and, and even senators have written and tweeted outrageous things about Israel, have been pro-Hamas and anti-Israel. They're staff members. If I knew their names, I would put them right up here on my show. I'm not going to protect a staff member. Uh, And a judge shouldn't be protecting a staff member. A staff member, you know, maybe it's not right to attack staff members. I think it is. Uh, It's certainly not right generally to, to attack family members, except if they've done wrong. And that brings us to Hunter Biden. It's generally not correct to go after the family of a, of a president. If the family of the president did nothing wrong, but if there is a suspicion that a member of the president's family did something wrong, especially if he did it with the president, then the fact that he's a relative uh, doesn't immunize him from either public criticism or public investigation. And, and although I'm a Democrat and a Joe Biden supporter, I do think that special counsel uh, should be appointed uh, to investigate Joe Biden. Now, there is a special counsel, but that special counsel looking only into the issue of the classified uh, material, and there's a special counsel on Biden, but that was an insider within the Justice Department, picked by the, the Justice Department. What I think we need now, and what I've argued for for a long time, and if I were if I were Joe Biden, I would want this, too, because there's so much smoke out there, and If he's innocent, as I hope he is, he should want a a special prosecutor because he's not going to get a fair hearing from the Senate Judiciary or the House Judiciary uh, Committee, certainly not the House Judiciary Committee, which is Republican. The last thing we want is the partisan weaponization of the criminal justice system, which is what happens when you have congressional uh, committees investigating people of the opposite party. What we need is the most distinguished special prosecutor, and there have been some. Uh, Robert Fisk, when he was picked to investigate Whitewater, he was probably one of the most distinguished lawyers uh, of his day in in America. Um, the same thing has been true of others uh, who have been appointed and made special counsel, starting from you know Richard Nixon and 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 others. Archibald Cox. Um, What we need is somebody like that. And I've made a proposal. What I think is that um, there ought to be a group of um, academics or uh, uh, former judges, people who are not in politics. Too many academics are in politics, but uh, former judges, uh, people from both parties, and maybe seven or eight of them. And they ought to meet and create a list of five possible special counsel. Um, hopefully former judges. I mean, I'd love to see David Souter or or Stephen Breyer or some former federal judge, not Judge Lutech, obviously, who's uh, been one one of the villains of this whole thing, calling for the president not to be able to run because he fought in the Civil War. No, no, I guess it's not that he fought in the Civil War, but he engaged in an insurrection. So he's obviously out. He's disqualified. But there are other former judges who who have not uh, been political, and and um, I think this this group should give the attorney general a list of five, and the attorney general should commit himself to pick from that list of five. So the perfect the, the person is a complete uh, outsider, uh, a nonpartisan person, somebody maybe whose party affiliations aren't even known. You know, Justice Harlan, when he went on the Supreme Court, he stopped voting. Uh, he didn't want um, any any political or partisan views to be part of his thinking at all, or he didn't want the perception of partisanship to be shown. So he didn't even vote. Now that takes it too far. I know a lot of judges, obviously classmates, uh, students, people who I've known over the years, and. Uh, I know who they vote for sometimes, but uh, they're not involved in politics. But what we need is somebody like that. There are so many good people out there. Michael McKenzie, uh would be perfect former Attorney General of the United States. There are so many people who could be really, really independent special counsel, um, but we're not going to see it. And so what we're going to see again is the partisan weaponization of criminal justice. And we're going to see the you know, Republican-controlled House look at situations one way, and the Democrat-controlled Senate look at situations the other way. Um, you know, when when the Republicans were in power, the Democrats wanted to impeach them. When the Democrats are in power, Republicans want to impeach them. You can't take that seriously. It's 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 partisan. There was one impeachment. In history of a president that uh, was justified and it never came to fruition. That was Richard Nixon. He should have been impeached. I favored his impeachment, although I voted against the American Civil Liberties Union taking a stand in favor of his impeachment. I was on the national board at the time, but um, no other impeachments in our history of the president have ever been valid. Uh, Andrew Johnson was totally in, in, invalid. Bill Clinton was totally invalid and and both of Trump's impeachments were totally unconstitutional. Um, So I'm not a big fan of the impeachment process or the partisan weaponization of criminal justice, but I am a big fan of fair justice. And I do think that we do need a special counsel to look into um, all the smoke. Um, You know, there are so many allegations out there. You hear them every night um, uh, on 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 uh, conservative television. I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't have the ability to uh, investigate, but there's enough there to warrant a, a thorough investigation before the election. I want to vote for Joe Biden, but I want to know everything about his connections with Hunter Biden, with Ukraine, with China, with the money, with all of that before I make a final decision to vote. And I think every American has the right to know everything, and the only way we're going to know it is if there is a special counsel appointed. Um, you know, they used to call it independent counsel, special counsel, but we know what it is. It's somebody from outside the Justice Department. If he decides to indict, that's the end. And if he or she decides not to indict, then they file a report. And the report can and should be made public by the Attorney General, and that will give us all the opportunity to make an evaluation. And if the evaluation shows that that uh, President Biden engaged in uh, improper conduct of any kind, even if it's not criminal, but especially if it's criminal, that would affect my vote. And it hopefully would affect everybody's vote, uh, just as um, the current indictments uh, probably should affect the votes of people who are considering voting for Donald Trump. Now having a conviction in the District of Columbia or New York shouldn't affect your vote because that's, you know, that's 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 not a fair venue for a trial of Donald Trump and the, and the cases against him don't justify a conviction. But if there were to be a conviction, for example, in, in Florida, in Palm Beach County, on the classified information, although I've called that a smoking cigarette butt, it's smoking, there's evidence, there's no question that the video of him waving uh, material in front of a journalist and an editor saying this could have been declassified and it wasn't, it's still secret. That's smoking, but it's not a gun. It's a cigarette butt, it's a small matter. Nobody accused him of of, of showing it to an enemy or actually showing the content necessarily to, to the person. But uh, enough there probably to uh, convict. Would it affect my judgment? Yeah. A little bit. Not a lot. Um, Would, did it affect my judgment that that Joe Biden um, had classified material? No, because that seemed clearly to be an accident that he just stuff was put and taken and it was negligent. It was careless. He shouldn't have done it and he should be excoriated for doing it. But um, it doesn't give rise to a a criminal prosecution and, and it wouldn't necessarily affect my own vote. You know, my vote will be influenced by by the economy, by foreign policy, including Ukraine and Israel, China, Iran, Russia. Uh, those are big issues uh, for me it will be influenced by immigration policy, by uh, appointment of judges and a range of other issues uh, like that. That's why, although my presumption is always in favor of voting for the Democrat, because I like Democratic policies much better woman's right to choose, gay rights, reasonable climate control, reasonable gun control, um, uh, a a fair, uh, less political Supreme Court, separation of church and state. These are my issues. And the Democrats support those issues more. I've said over and over again, if I lived in England, I'd vote conservative, not liberal or labor. I'd vote conservative because the conservative party has a strong foreign policy, which I support, strong economy, which I support, but it also favors a woman's right to choose and gay rights and all of the other issues that I've talked about. We don't have such a party in the United States. The Republicans are too much under the influence of the religious right, and for that reason, uh, they're not a libertarian party. Um, They don't believe in the government being in your pocketbook, but many do believe in the government being in your bedroom, uh, and on your deathbed. Um, and I don't. Um, I'm a pure libertarian, and I use that both ways. So uh, I do favor a woman's right to choose abortion, certainly in the early stages of the pregnancy, and and um, an old person's right to choose death with dignity and not have the state interfere, as many Republicans would have the state interfere with end-of-life decisions. So that's why I'm 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 a Democrat. But getting back to the point at issue here, this is not about Hunter Biden or Donald Trump. This is about you and me. We have the right to see Hunter Biden testify. If he's going to testify, it shouldn't be down in the basement. Nobody should have anything to hide. We also have the right to see the members of Congress ask questions. Are they idiotic questions, as often they are? Are they good questions? Uh, Is the question being handed to him by his staff member, or is he spontaneously coming up with it? We have a right to see all of that. and We have the right to hear Donald Trump on every possible issue he wants to talk about. He's running for president, and there shouldn't be any secrets. And his trial should be open to the public, every single one of them. The civil trial in New York, the criminal trial in New York, the criminal trial in Georgia, the criminal trial in uh, the, uh, in Florida. Every one of them should be open. Um, The Supreme Court has begun to move a little bit in that direction when the Roe versus Wade overruling decision was argued, and along with some others, they have allowed at least live uh, audio uh, to come from the courthouse. I don't know why they're concerned about seeing the faces of the people if you're hearing their voices. Um, Every government action, except if it involves truly classified material or national security material should be open to the public. That's why, although C-SPAN is boring, it's a very important uh, phenomenon in American life. Um, C-SPAN means that uh, we can see members of Congress. We can see members of the Senate. We can flip the channels and, and watch the empty hall um, and somebody trying to orate to the camera knowing that there were probably 14 people watching him on C-SPAN. But it's it's a matter of public record. You can go to C-SPAN. If you want to see my speech um, in front of the Senate um, in in defense of uh, Donald Trump's not being impeached, just just look it up on Google, and there it is. It's, you know, C-SPAN ran it. In that case, the other channels ran it as well. um, CNN, of course, misreported the whole thing, but that's... uh, fairly typical of CNN. Um, but uh, but it, it, it wasn't my right to make that speech. It was your right to hear it and to criticize me as some have done or to praise me as some have done. Um, I was a public figure that day making an argument about the Constitution concerning a sitting president of the United States. Uh, it was a proud moment for me. It lost me most of my friends on Martha's Vineyard, but uh, that's another matter, Um, and even some relatives. But um, uh, that's what lawyers do. That's what John Adams did. That's what Thurgood Marshall did. Um, That's what um, I try to follow in their footsteps uh, do. Um, Of course, I'm going to defend the president of the United States if he's being unconstitutionally impeached. I defended the rights of communists and Nazis and murderers why, and I didn't get criticized for that much, that was by some people. Um, but of course, I defend the president of the United States. But everything should be public, I want everything in the open, as Justice Brandeis once said sunlight is the best disinfectant, and it's a metaphor, and it's probably <laughs> not true. Um, but politically, it's absolutely true if you see it, if you can hear it. It's less likely to be false. It's less likely to be extremely partisan. It's a protective mechanism, being able to listen and see your government in action. That's why from day one, I was in favor of televising trials. I argued the first televised appeal in history, I think. Uh, The Von Bülow appeal uh, was, I think, the first appeal that was televised. And then, of course, I participated in the O.J. Simpson case, which was... uh, televised. Uh, Every minute of that was televised. You know, there's an interesting fact. There were polls taken after the verdict, very unpopular verdict. The vast majority of people thought he was guilty and should be convicted. Some people thought he was guilty and shouldn't be convicted. Some people thought he was guilty and shouldn't be convicted because the government tampered with the evidence. That's a matter for a different time. But the polls were interesting. It showed that people who actually saw it on television were less surprised by the verdict, the innocence, the not guilty verdict that the people who actually watched it on television were less surprised by the non-guilty verdict than the people who read about it in the New York Times or watched uh, television analysis of it. Because when you see it directly with your own eyes, you have a much better sense of what's going on than seeing it through the prism of biased reporters. Um, Almost all the reporters started out with the presumption that he was guilty and he would be convicted, and they were shocked. when when he was acquitted, but the people who watched it directly uh, were not, and I think probably the same thing is true with people who watch congressional hearings on television and uh, debates in the Senate and debates in Congress. Uh, They know more and they're less surprised, and that's why I am completely in favor of Hunter Biden testifying openly uh, in front of television cameras. I, I am completely in favor of Donald Trump's trials, all of them being on television, and why I am opposed to uh, gag orders in general uh, against criminal defendants or civil defendants or plaintiffs. So um, three cheers for the public and the openness and the marketplace of ideas. And uh, let's hope we see and hear more and have less and less censorship. Okay, some letters. How many innocent civilians have been killed in Gaza so far? I have no idea. And neither do you, and neither does the New York Times. Hamas may know, but it's not telling us. Hamas says, We have a number we're giving you. Believe it or not, it's a number. It was 12,000. And then I think it was during the truce period that it went up to 15,000. So I don't know what that means. But they don't distinguish between civilians and combatants. And it's not an easy distinction to make in general. But hypothetically, of the fifteen thousand people that were killed, ten thousand of them could have been combatants, for all we know. And the only reason they say they're not is because many of them were women and children. But by the way, I learned something new that I was not aware of. I thought that children were anybody under eighteen. No, no. The way Hamas counts is anybody under nineteen. So if you're eighteen years and eleven months old and carrying an RPG or firing a, a rocket or digging a tunnel, or raping and murdering somebody you're a child you're a child israel killed children killed children 19 year old children 18 year old children 17 year old children you know how many people that accounts for when you say children and then they say women no no no, you can't if you have a vagina you can't be a combatant you know that according to sharia law but of course Hamas violates Sharia law all the time when it uses women as suicide bombers. in fact it rapes women to make them into suicide bombers so they have learned how to use uh women as as terrorists and the idea that there are women and children involved means there are no they they're, they're all civilians this is just total nonsense only the New York Times would buy into that and they did. Do you stand for the death penalty for murderers in the United States? My views on the death penalty are interesting. I think people who kill deserve to die. If if I were, you know, the czar or the god or anything, if you've killed somebody deliberately and willfully, that's the deserved punishment. But the United States doesn't deserve to kill them because our system is totally unfair. Um, Today, the death penalty is administered almost exclusively to very poor people, and to largely to black people who kill white people, um, black people who kill black people don't get the death penalty as much, uh, and white people who kill black people almost never get the death penalty, and it depends on how good your lawyer. So I'm opposed to the process by which the death penalty is administered, but um, if you ask me the moral question, the moral question is. It's difficult and clouded, but the pragmatic political inequality question makes it easy for me. So I've been an opponent of the death penalty since I'm old enough to think about it, which is a long time ago, Were civilians killed during the bombing of the King David Hotel back in 1946. It's a very interesting question. So, you know, the King David Hotel was being used as the administrative center of the British occupation of Israel before Israel was established. And Menachem Begin, who was then the head of um, an organization called Irgun Civili Umi uh, Etzel, um, it was an organization that resisted the British occupation. And Begin apparently gave warning to the British authorities, to please clear out the King David Hotel of any civilians. And then it was uh, blown up. Uh, The hotel didn't have civilians in the sense of just totally innocent people who were um, uh, not involved in in the in the colonial occupation uh, by the British? It involved British military; a lot of them were killed, and British civil servants. And it was wrong, and it should never have been done. And it was widely condemned uh, by Israelis and by by the world. And it took big I don't remember twenty five, maybe thirty years to. Um, Become a prime minister after that because uh, a lot of people couldn't forgive him for the King David Hotel. But the British were also uh, engaged in uh, killing civilians, um, and um, that doesn't justify it any more than it does today. But the issue of the King David Hotel is a complex one, but I can't support it. I don't justify it. It was wrong. I don't justify everything Israel did. This wasn't done by Israel, by the way. This was done by a group that had been outlawed by the Jewish agency, which was the uh, pre- predecessor to Israel. So it was not done by the Haganah, which was the official um, um, uh, military of the Jewish agency. Uh, this may not be the form, forum, but I'm trying to understand the Zionists and anti-Zionists. I do not understand how the animosity can be so strong. The anti-Zionists publicly denounced their own people and march with the terrorists, it's like family, you keep your divisions within the home and publicly stand together. Well, the Jewish community is standing together. The two groups or the three groups that call themselves Jews are not part of the Jewish community. Jewish Voice for Peace is not Jewish. Um, um, Most of its members are not Jewish. Uh, They are communists and, and hard left socialists and radicals and America haters who use the title Jewish Voice for Peace in order to cover up who they really are. So there are a couple of Jews in there. The the head of it is is Jewish. And there have always been Jewish communists and Jewish radicals, and Trotsky was Jewish. Uh, So so don't be surprised at that. And then there's this idiotic group called the Turekarta, which are extremely um, reactionary, anti-women, anti gay, anti-everything, ultra, ultra, ultra orthodox Jews who are anti-Zionist based on misreadings of the sources, of the Jewish sources. And I don't mind that. They can be anti-Zionist. But they support Iran. They support Hamas. These are a bunch of near-do-well idiots. And they don't, they represent one hundredth of one percent of the Jewish population, but because they have beards and you know wear the accoutrements of Orthodox Judaism, people assume that they're, uh, they're Jewish. They're, they're, they define themselves as Jewish, fine, but they don't in any way represent the Jewish community. The Jewish community is fairly reunited on this. Now there are hard left Jews who, who never think of themselves as Jews, except when it comes to criticizing Israel and Jews. And they say Jews for Palestine. You know, they're not Jews for anything else, they're not Jews for Jews. Um, there are some of those, but there are very, very few. The vast, vast majority of Jews are very, very supportive of uh, Israel. Uh you have been my hero since you fought for the Nazis' right to march through Skokie. Oh, uh, I was Jewish and 14 years old, etc. Of course I loathe the loathe the Nazis and 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 but the First Amendment is meaningless if it doesn't apply to all. I agree with what you're saying today. I think that Biden is shockingly wrong. I do not like Biden. His consistent hedging is simply, etc. He's playing politics. All right, you have a view on that. But, you know, my defense of Nazis was not supporting the Nazis, obviously. It was opposing censorship. I would oppose censorship of any group. Uh, I would oppose censorship of Hamas. I would oppose censorship of, um, uh, uh, you know, the Ku Klux Klan. So it's not my support of any particular group. It's my strong opposition to government censorship. That's my position. The same was true of Donald Trump. Uh, My defense of Donald Trump did not show support of Donald Trump, even though the New York Times recently called me a Trump supporter. But that's the New York Times. I am a supporter of the Constitution. See you next week.